At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. They say I'm disturbed. From city to city, an incredible hysterical panic spread. I think we're getting into a weird area here. Will you tell these fools I'm not crazy? Hysteria. You can't handle the truth. Rain is gone. This is Hysteria 51. The truth is out there. It's alive. But you won't find it here. They're coming for you. Look, there comes one of them now. Welcome in, Hysteria Nation, to the podcast that isn't sure where Atlantis actually was because we didn't have our altimeter with us this is hysteria 51 you're an idiot yeah i'm i'm with him this time (laughs) screw you both we are broadcasting from the lower fourth dimension otherwise known as chicago i am your host john goforth and alongside is my co-host and the man voted in high school most likely to discover atlantis mr brandon no 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 that was most likely to discover atlanta I like soul foods and strip clubs, and uh, <laughs> they knew it. <laughs> they do. They do. They do both of those things well. I remember when Sherman burned Atlanta. It was a hot time in the old town that night. What, what is he even talking about? <laughs> what is he? I mean, that's, a, that's an actual, like, historic event. How does he know about that? I mean, he doesn't know basic math, science, history. No, no, you're right. But but I, I propped up his seg on the old world book encyclopedias. When I locked him in his room last week, I guess he probably got bored. That or he watched a little bit too much short circuit with the input, you know, running through the fucking books like that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But yeah, I'm sure he got bored reading through the A's and stopped probably, though, you know. (laughs) Yeah, but he can't read that fast. He can't do the the flip through thing. The aardvark is the only living species of the order Tubuli Dentata. Although other prehistoric species and genera of tubuli dentata are known. Okay, well, uh, let's let's just stop that, Brent. Uh, information always gets dangerous in his hands. That is a solid point. Or should I say pinchers? <laughs> Plus, Brent, we don't have time for robots tonight. No, we need to get to our topic and our special returning guest. Yeah, this is a special, special episode because we are mixing it up this week, John. We are taking a different approach to the topic this week because... As you said, we have a special returning guest, one who is, and this is an incredibly factual statement, way more patient than we are when it comes to flat earthers. (laughs) Like, uh, (laughs) true coddling one might, no, not coddling, that's the wrong way. Just, um, yeah, was, was nicer than I chose to be, I guess. Uh, Nation, what I'm getting at is we welcome back Adam Poston this week of the Twisted 10 podcast to come on and give us his top 10 reasons why the rich hat structure is really wait for it wait for it atlantis dun 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 i should have just went with atlanta there too no no you guys are mistaken (laughs) it is atlanta (laughs) atlanta is actually in africa wait what adam welcome back to the show thank you so much for joining us again wait where am i no i'm just kidding (laughs) guys it is 
an honor, 100% on my side. Thank you very much for the invite back. Adam, as we were alluding to before you uh, popped on, you are, you've probably, your voice has probably been heard by more Hysteria 51 listeners than almost any other guest simply because of oh, the, no. not, uh, of course, your dulcet tones, but oh, no. also because of the particular episode that you were on. <laughs> you know where you're going. Flat Earth Roundtable. Yes, yeah, and likewise for you guys, because that seems to be my number one downloaded episode as well, is uh, when we had you guys on doing some of the banter and disputes and, you know, calling those knuckleheads knuckleheads. So likewise for you guys, our listeners <laughs> certainly know who Hysteria 51 is. We plug you guys a lot, too. Funny thing, I didn't even tell you this, John. Uh, we got an email this this week. How poignant is this? I got an email from one of those. So I don't know if you get these. Every once in a while, someone who has a, a representative and they'll just send out feelers to tons of radio and television and podcasts well i got one for the representative for david weiss oh boy and uh he he'd really like to be on hysteria 51 sometime and i wrote back i don't think he would (laughs) and the person's like oh my god oh i didn't know he's been on your show i'm like yeah he's been on you know for two episodes and uh I left out the part where as soon as he was off, he slammed us and talked about what pieces of shit we were and all this stuff. And then tried to steal our audio after we told him not to. And So that dude wrote a book? I don't know if he wrote a book. Did he? Did he? No, I'm asking you, like, like you, they, they, what they reach out for? Like, what's he just, promoting? I don't know. The person's like, I just, no, just him and his oh. show, which is the Flat Earth Podcast, I believe it's The called. more interesting part about that is that he, a Flat Earth guy that runs a pot, has an agent. Is yeah. that is that what I'm understanding? That or it was like him. <laughs> that or Anybody it was him with a agent. fake email sending it out, forgetting that he was on our show. Which there you, you go. get that stuff quite a bit. Um, <laughs> you know, it was his. It, it was David Rice. It was really yeah. weird. <laughs> uh, so it, more importantly, but besides the flat earthers, you have started your own cult uh, of children. Oh. I hear since the last time we talked to you. Yeah. So boys, I've been a little bit busy since uh, since the last time that we've talked in person. Yeah. Getting busy. Uh, bound chicken. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I've got a two-year-old little girl and a six-month little girl with uh, my beautiful bride, Miss Andrea Joy, uh, who I'm sure you guys remember from from uh, back in the day during Absolutely. some of the podcasting as well. Oh, She's, yeah, yeah. Uh, So, wow. So, two and six months. So, literally, neither child was alive yet when you were doing the Flat Earth Roundtable with us. That is correct. Not even in utero. Not even in they utero. They weren't right. Yeah. You guys inspired <laughs> Well, I mean, that's where I was going to off there, he's like, I need to bang something. Stat. You got it, yes. <laughs> well, my wife really understood the stress of the Flat Earth podcasts that we did with those knuckleheads really got to me, and she needed to relieve that stress <laughs> somehow, and bam, there's a baby. That's what happens. <laughs> yep, yep, that's how it uh, works. Brent, Brent, later you'll have to explain to Conspiracy Bot how that actually Yeah, went. I don't, uh, <laughs> yeah, the, the pop-up book was enough, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I love Seabot. Seabot's my favorite host. Oh, I mean, co-host. Jesus. Weird because it's, you um, suck. Well, yeah, there yeah, you go. You don't feed the beast. That's all I'm saying, Adam. <laughs> don't feed the beast. So you guys know that Adam does the Twist 10 podcast. So he was coming on this week to do us uh, a very, very solid favor and doing our show for us, <laughs> which is just perfect. <laughs> yeah. Now, he's actually going to give us the top 10 reasons why this beautiful, amazing structure, which is it really is an awesome thing to behold. The pictures from space are amazing. Now, I'm going to say the name. We listened to a couple different pronunciations. The Richat, Richat, Richart. Everyone says it differently. And even when I went to pronounce 
uh, pronunciation.com and a couple other places, they use different pronunciations. So we're going to call it uh, whatever we feel like. The Eye of the Sahara. How's that sound? <laughs> Didn't we settle on Richat? Richat is what I had saw, but then I'm reading and people just say all sorts of different things. Yeah, I think it depends on the dialect of the region that Probably you're from. So. I've heard it as, I've almost heard it as a reek part. Like it's got an you, extra, like an extra R, R in there somewhere. The guy who did yeah. the video that's very famous talking about it, he called it Ricart. So yeah, anyway, we're going to do the top 10 reasons uh, you're going to give us why this could be Atlantis. But before we get into that, let's talk about this thing. When when we let him go off and, and through his top 10, it is the top 10 reasons that the rich at structure in Africa could be Atlantis. Right. That's that's the premise, right? C- correct. Yeah, that's that's basically I'm on the side for the recat, recot, recart, whatever you want to call it. That structure is Atlantis. And I think by the end of this list, I will have convinced you guys, conspiracy bot and your listeners that. It's unequivocal. My number one is so good. And we go 10 to one on the Twisted 10. So that's what I'm going to give you guys. My number one is so unequivocally the smoking gun. I think that you guys will be on board with me at the end of this list. That is what they call a teaser. Got it. You got it. Well, before we do that, let's throw out some information about what this is, because if you're not familiar, you might not have ever heard of this. It's kind of crazy. So it is also known as the Blue Eye of Africa, the Eye of Africa or the eye of the Sahara. And it is this prominent circular feature in the Sahara Adrar plateau. It's the area that's in. I like to think of it as my brown eye. <laughs> it's his brown eye <laughs> blue. That's interesting. It's, it's earth's rectum as you uh, literally heard a color in the word eye, And the only thing you could think to do is make a butthole joke. Actually, I thought of seven butthole jokes, but you are only worth one. <laughs> I believe him. <laughs> oh, I love you. See, bye. <laughs> So what it is, uh, they say it's it's a rotted dome, and a rotted dome it sounds not as massive as it is. It's forty kilometers or twenty five miles in diameter. And uh, here's what the 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 technical term it's exposing sedimentary rock and layers in concentric rings. Igneous rock is exposed inside, and there are spectacular rhyolites and gabbros which have undergone hydrothermal alteration and a central megabrecia. What? You wrote that, right? right Brent? <laughs> I did. Uh, now we're gonna we're gonna dumb that down. The structure is also the location of exceptional accumulation of Achillean archaeological artifacts. See, it's crystal clear now to everyone at home what that fucking means, right? Everyone understands. One hundred percent. Let's dumb that. So down. So it's a place in the desert with geodes. That's what I took uh-huh. away. It's a geological formation, and a geologist originally thought the eye was an impact crater because it looks like the spot where something came and slammed in. Uh, something from space came and hit the surface. It resembles an impact crater, but it formed when they say a volcanic dome hardened. So the dome over a volcano and gradually eroded, exposing the onion like layers of rock, creating this giant ring like crater. Put it into perspective, uh, Brent, a little bit. The, the size of it is what was really astonishing to me. So if you're on the ground there, you can't necessarily see how big it is because it's you know 30 miles in some it's spots like the Nazca across. Lines it's and huge. stuff like that it's it, yeah absolutely yeah. Mm-hmm. kind of like my butthole <laughs> <laughs> damn well that's a perfect thing to say too though not the butthole but how <laughs> space is where you can really see it and actually the first pictures of it were in the 60s from the gemini astronauts and they use it as landmarks when landing it's they use it for a landmark for like when they're coming back in from space that is still used today my former life was working at nasa and that that is a 
very obvious feature to that is visible from space and can be seen. And they use that as a, a physical landmark to, you know, point locations and to navigate. How the hell did I miss out on this? Like I, like if, if astronauts are using it, like, you know, a lot of the things that you can see from space on earth, they always make sure and show in movies whenever, uh, like, you know, Oh, there's the, um, the great wall of China or, you know, here, here's what, uh, here's what a hurricane looks like from space and, and like all, all of these different things like that there are kind of uh, tropes in movies that they always they always make sure and and show whenever the you know satellite is orbiting the earth and and you know everything's about to go get fucked um how did how did i miss this one the I, giant I, I blue was, bullseye <laughs> i just was yeah. not familiar with this at all before this it is not just you most of the world has never heard of the recot structure has never heard of the Eye of the Sahara, unless you're, you know, very renowned traveler or know that region very, very well. Most people, you know, especially Americans, we don't really care about some parts of the world. It just you don't know about it. You just don't you aren't educated to it in school. Right. It wasn't really, you know, anything that scientists have focused on for, for lots of reasons to include not allowed to focus on it. So there's there's all sorts of reasons why we haven't had the education on it. Well, and the another thing is too, like we didn't really know that it was there until the 1930s. And other than the indigenous people that were there, did but outsiders didn't. We didn't get photos of it's how grandiose it really was until the 1960s. And it's old. You know, this thing dates back to they say when Pangaea, the supercontinent, started to pull apart, is when it formed. Bingo. That's how old this is. Think, yes, sir. You know, pre Stone Age, and then the stuff that's there, the artifacts. I remember are that day well. <laughs> Of course he does. Of course he does. <laughs> it's an amazing thing. And then on top of that, people say that it is part of Atlantis. Adam, you did some digging in on what Plato and others said, didn't you, about this? I did. And the guys on my podcast, you know Tack very well. In fact, I think both of you guys have done uh, his a very Brady podcast. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry for that experience. No, I'm just <laughs> kidding. I love Tack. He's awesome. Um, the guys on the show know that I get pigeonholed into these deep dives into the internet and certain things fascinate me. Disasters fascinate me like tsunamis and all of that stuff. And for whatever reason, this one held on to me. I usually don't care about geography like this, but since it's so tied into lore of sci-fi shows, because I'm a huge sci-fi fan, I love any theories behind Atlantis. And this one actually has some meat behind it. So yeah, if Plato I mean, we, we'll, we'll get into some quotes during the top 10 list. Each one of the top 10 have a, a brief quote that from Plato from some of his publications. So I can cite the quote and then give you some of the evidence behind it. Um, but yeah, wow. it's, it's amazing how much stuff is in there and is verifiable still today. Adam, I'm, n- I'm noticing a theme here. You, you mentioned that you're intrigued by disasters, and then you also mentioned that you're intrigued by this. And whether this is Atlantis or not, the, there is, the supposition goes that Atlantis was either destroyed by a tsunami or created a tsunami when it when it itself sank into the sea yeah like an, an so earthquake swallowed it with correct. a tsunami yeah 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 100 so it sounds to me adam like you just enjoy the death and suffering of others yeah you know that does sound very morbid now that i think about it Jeez, um <laughs> i i don't in, I, I don't like the carnage of death god i love I how powerful nature can be it is when we, humans think we're the most you know dominant species on the planet wrong the earth itself and nature is the most dominant out of everything on this planet. And it can wipe us off the face of the earth in a blink of an eye, as exampled what happened in several catastrophes worldwide that are just cataclysms for those regions. In this case, it happened to be, you know, the up to a million people that were 
theorized to have inhabited Atlantis. They're they're all gone in a single day and night, as Plato put it. Well, I mean, that's assuming that they didn't just take off in a spaceship and leave. But that's, you know, that's a good uh, point. What we could be looking at is the recot structure is actually the uh, launch pad for the city of Atlantis that did take off and fly into space. That's where, that, I, that's that's where I've settled on this. I mean, I haven't heard anything about it yet, but that's where I've settled. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I'm changing though, the whole top 10. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we are going to do our top 10 list on that. So that's coming up. Seabot, we're going to ask you to be quiet so that we can pay attention. We don't need your mouth on this. Is that right, John? Isn't that what we decided on? Yes, 100%. Good luck with that. <laughs> so we're going to go to break real quick. When we come back, we are going to hit up the top 10 reasons why this is the lost city of Atlantis. That's coming up on Hysteria 51. Nation, what difficulties did you have with learning a new language in school or whenever you did it? Did you do it through textbooks or did you try to use some weird online thing? I know I took two years in high school and two years in college and I knew nothing. And that's because I wasn't using something like what we have been blessed to have as a longtime sponsor and we use it. Rosetta Stone, they're the most trusted language learning program, and it's available on desktop or as an app. And the reason why I enjoy doing it, it immerses you in the language you want to learn instead of just being silly drills and a class you can sleep through. (laughs) I definitely use it. I I think it's really cool how they have the speech recognition program on there. It gives you the feedback on the pronunciation. Are you making fun of me because I can never do that? That's what you're getting at right now. (laughs) It's like, what are you trying to do? Do it right. (laughs) Uh, but it is really cool. They've got all kinds of lessons. You can do it uh, offline. You don't even have to be online for it. That is great because it's right there in your pocket or at your home and you can do it. You got 15 minutes. Let's go to town. Let's do it. You know, and mm-hmm. it's amazing value. Lifetime membership has all 25 languages available for any trips. You need language in life. You need to brush up on stuff. Maybe you just met a girl or a guy or a non-binary and they're from uh, somewhere else. Somewhere, you know, who knows? Well, if they're in the one of the 25, Rosetta's going to work for you. And <laughs> you get lifetime access to all of that. And there is a 50% offer. So it is a steal. So don't put off learning language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Hysteria 51 listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for that 50% off that I just told you about. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today, uh, today. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, Visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. All right, gentlemen, we are back. Adam. Yes, sir. I'm feeling very lazy. Take it away, sir. (laughs) Well, thank you very much for that pitch. We do that same thing in studio down here. So we'll (laughs) pitch the show over to whoever the host is and kind of kick back and, you know, surf our phones or do whatever. Yeah. Pay no attention. Awesome. Great. I've got some (laughs) emails. (laughs) Now we're like our listeners. (laughs) Exactly. 
All right, so I want to start love off. You all, I love you all. <laughs> I want to start off with a quote from Plato. This tale about Atlantis, though strange, is certainly true, having been attested by Solon, who was the wisest of the seven sages. Now, Plato uh, writes in, for the most part, literal terms. However, he does use parallels and analogies sometimes in his writing. But the important thing to point out as we're going through this top 10 list is the words of Plato have never been scrutinized or disputed other than when it comes to Atlantis. And that's something that's always been peculiar to people. Uh, In the science community, Atlantis is kind of a pseudoscience or a myth-based lore. Uh, There's lots of theories and rumors about why it uh, was made up or thought to have been made up by Plato. Um, going all the way back to Salon, that's, he wrote about uh, Atlantis, which was 9,000 years prior when he did his research in Egypt. And then Plato took that information and wrote it down. That was 2,400 years ago from now. So you get a total of about 11,500 years ago where these stories are coming from. Isn't part of the challenge, Adam, with, with Plato that it's not exactly clear when he is reciting history as he understands it versus speaking in parable? Sort of. So he's not quite like a Nostradamus. Nostradamus writes in parable very heavy. Plato doesn't do that quite as much. Now, given translations and how dialect was used, you know, 2,400 years ago when Plato was creating his his works. By the way, a lot of this comes from the Timaeus and the Critias uh, publications of Plato. Um, he does write in literal terms most of the time. He does draw into analogies, parables, he does, does draw into some stories, but for the most part, they're based in his observations or documentation that he is kind of Cliff's Notes versioning, i.e. the Salon. Salon was, you know, much older than him. He was in his ancestry blood, so he's related to Plato, but he died many, many generations, about six generations prior to Plato. So he is using some, you know, paraphrasing from other writing that has been handed mm-hmm. down through time. But it, for the most part, it's literal. It's, it's, you know, he writes what he feels. Got it. That's how I live right. my life, yo. I write what I feel. <laughs> you boys ready to get into this top 10 list? Yeah, I'm ready. Can't wait. All right. So what I wrote this top 10 list around was the top 10 reasons I believe. This is according to Adam. And I'm not a scientist. I'm not an archaeologist, paleontologist. I'm just a guy with a computer, hey, just hey, like everybody else. on this show. Science. This is the top. Top 10 reasons Atlantis has been found. So this is the narrative I'm taking from you guys. So let's go right into it. Number 10. And I go from 10 to 1. And number 1, oh, it's a doozy. All right, number 10. Elephants have the best memory. Let's just ask them. Here's the quote from Plato. There were a great number of elephants on the island. And he's referring to Atlantis, the island of Atlantis. Many skeletal remains of elephants, as well as ancient rock art depicting elephants, have been found in the surrounding areas of the Rikot. This is not uncommon for the lush parts of Africa, but it certainly is not in the Sahara. The Sahara, as we know it today, is a complete wasteland devoid of any life other than, you know, desert surviving creatures. Uh, This is one of the easiest signs to show the environment of that part of the world many thousands of years ago. Bones of elephants aren't in the Sahara. They're in lush regions of the world where elephants can survive. So I'm starting off with kind of a weak one. All that this is to do is to show how lush the lands were, that bones of elephants have been found in the center 
and in the rings of this recot structure. So they have proof that there has been, you know, large creatures, large life, large mammals that have, you know, lived in this area. So number 10, 11,000 years ago, it's possible it wasn't a desert there. Lame. Yeah, in fact. You want elephant bones, I can get you elephant bones. <laughs> Just give me 15 minutes. With polish. <laughs> nice. Um, so yeah, that's hundred percent right though. It's, it's just to show that the area was lush and there's many studies that show most of the Sahara, even as recent as 5,000 years ago, which in geological terms is, you know, very short, uh, it, it 5,000 years ago, it was a lush paradise, tropical paradise. Then in one of the fastest sweeping events in our climate change history of the planet, believe in climate change, uh, it, it changed from lush regions to this Sahara desert that we know that it is today. Well, yeah, the, isn't the, I mean, that's the cradle of life, right? The tigers cradle the of civilization. Yeah. Yeah. Everything. Yeah, Absolutely. Was I conflating the Bible with uh, the lion King there? As they said, in, in <laughs> what was it in chasing Amy? When all you European motherfuckers were still running around in caves and shit. <laughs> <laughs> I heard the Hasafuenya in there a little bit. Oh, I heard it. I heard <laughs> Thank it. In you. There. Thank you. All right. Number nine. I titled number nine, those mountains, though. All right. So these are the quotes from Plato. The mountains of the island of Atlantis was celebrated for their number and size and beauty. The surrounding mountains of the city flowed with rivers. Now, again, this is in the Sahara Desert. So now we know there's no rivers. However, there are mountain ranges just to the north of where the Ricard structure is right now are huge mountain ranges. I don't know the name of the range, but they're huge mountain ranges with visible proof from satellite as well as on the ground, massive erosions from massive rivers spilling over the edges of the mountain that would be visible from the recot structure. And again, thousands of years ago, that would have been a hell of a sight to see. If you look to the north and there's these giant mountains with rivers falling over the side of of the cliffs, that would have been pretty damn beautiful to look at. So let me ask a question here. I'm confused as to what we're saying this thing is. Like Atlantis was an island and we're, there's like all these mountains and rings, concentric rings in, in the middle of a desert here. Are we saying that parts, the parts of the recart structure or however you say it were above the water and that the rest was submerged? I'm glad you asked that question. Yes. So it's a little bit of a spoiler, but in the, uh, later in the show, you're going to hear some of the contests, some of the, you know, uh, um, the, the people who disagree that this area could be uh, the lost city of Atlantis contest with those same, you know, same opinions is that now oh, this is, you know, the, the area is high above sea level. It is mountainous. There's, you know, it's thousands of miles of nothing but desert. Even if it was lush at the time, you know, it's, it doesn't make sense. Well, that's all been challenged and refuted. For? Absolutely. So I, yeah, and obviously I get that over the 11,000 years, topography changes and earthquakes and erosion and, and everything else. I, I, I completely understand that. Uh, I just, I, I, I'm, I'm trying to understand the general conceit here. Understood. And and the general conceit is that, yeah, this area at some point, uh, was water was on top of it and parts were above the water and parts weren't. And the part that was, was Atlantis. So yeah, theoretically how the rings work of the recot structure right now, they marry up perfectly in size to Plato's description. And he actually performed, uh, sorry, it wasn't him. However, it was Solon, which he took the notes of and performed the measurements against it. It, I ironically measures exactly how 
wide those circles are supposed to be, those rings of land and rings of water, which would theoretically have led towards the ocean out of the south-southwestern side of the Recot structure. So the theory is in these ripple effects of rings, you know, think of it as like a bullseye where the the circle in the middle is that's red, that's land. Then the white circle after just outside that is that'd be water. And then the next red ring would be land, et cetera, et cetera. So the the level of the sea level at the time would have been just so high that those areas would have been full of water as opposed to full of, you know, sand and dust and it, whatever it's crap they get. When you look now. up pictures of Atlantis, you see the concentric circles. It's one of the main pictures when people when artists give their pictures of Atlantis. And then when you look at the structure, it is a bunch of concentric circles. So that does make total sense when you, you think of it as the each circle is then surrounded by water, then a circle surrounded by water, then a circle surrounded by water. It's, it's one of those things where when you look at this and you think of that as compared to what you would get with the structure, it, it makes sense as far as, yeah, I can see that being the case. Yeah, I think I, that, that was just the part I was unclear on. That's what we're so, you know, imagine imagine there's no water around Hawaii and it's 10,000 years from now. You've got these these islands or these structures that look like they could have been islands if there was a bunch of water around it, but there isn't same thing. Like imagine that there's, you know, hundreds of feet of water on top of this. Some of it would be submerged. Some of it wouldn't. And that's what made up the look of Atlantis. Brent, I think John is having a hard time with that whole, you know, imagination piece. Imagination. Yeah. Yeah. I am the voice of our listener. That's am, a good point. I am, I am, I am simply. You're the voice of my asshole. <laughs> How much are we going to have to talk about his butthole in one episode? I hope a little more. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, the it's funny part is we, we still have not, uh, <laughs> we still have not uh, eclipsed the most it's ever been discussed in an episode, which is sad. That's <laughs> yeah, true. C flat earth episode of Hysteria 51. <laughs> Um, all right, so let's move on. So these these first few in this top 10 list are just creating the picture for the area. I think uh, real quick to go on with that for the cover photo for the, this episode, I will put up pictures of the structure and what they always say Atlantis looks like, and you'll be able to see them uh, and on our website too. Side, side by, by side, side, that's a great so idea. Kind of see what, why they say this looks like it. Yeah, that's a great idea. All right, so let's move on to number eight. Titled, I am emotional ocean. Do, do you guys see what uh, I did there? Uh, do you see? Uh, do you get it? Because I did the ocean emotion. All right. So Plato's quote. Excuse me. The only bad jokes are with involving plays on words come from me on this podcast. <laughs> I can't. Th- I can't throw in the dad joke. I think I da- I one up to you guys in dad power a little bit because of the latest herd that I've got here at the house. That's true. That's a, that's a valid point. <laughs> All right. So from Plato. This part of the island looked toward the south and was sheltered from the north. What he's referring to is there's an opening, and he wrote regarding that opening that was used as a port of sorts, like not of sorts, literally a port where ships could come and go to Atlantis, to the south-southwest side of Atlantis. And ironically, exactly where Plato predicted it would be or documented that it would be in the Recot structure there are very typical striations where water can be have, have, have there's str- signs that w- water has flowed in that area and in fact could have been uh, visible for where uh, tsunamis have washed away area through that same same spot in the recot structure so again we've got another piece of evidence that's tying what plato wrote about to this particular structure 
You know, it's not underground. It's not a theorized location. It's evidence that water flowed through this particular channel inside this area of the recot structure, you know, thousands, tens of thousands of years ago. They can prove that, that that has happened. So there's another piece of evidence that's tying. We've got three pieces so far that's tying Plato's writings to the recot structure being Atlantis. I'm getting warmer and warmer for these pieces of evidence with you guys. Evidence or anecdotal coincidence. Okay, go ahead. Coincidence, I would agree with you 100%. Uh, until we actually have excavations, until we actually can have you know real scientists with feet on the ground in these locations, it's only going to be evidence-based theories. That's all that any of this stuff is going to be. But I feel, I firmly believe that the evidence is so overwhelming, especially with that number one, that this is the location. This is the actual location of Atlantis. I mean, the way you're selling this, I'm going to need a picture. <laughs> Done deal. Here is Atlantis. <laughs> 100%. All right. So number seven, this is the surrounding geography. I didn't read anything funny for the title for that one, but surrounding geography. This is Plato's quote. The country immediately surrounding the city of Atlantis was a level plain itself surrounded by mountains, which descended towards the sea, Plato. So the Recot's surrounding planes also match. And again, this isn't, this is also coincidental anecdotal evidence because let's face it, the Sahara has a lot of planes, um, but those particular planes do match Plato's description of level planes with mountains and the mountains that descended towards the west direction where the Atlantic Ocean would have been at the time based on some later evidence I'm going to show you. So how the how the mountains kind of descend into the ocean, they fall into the ocean uh, in in the current visible satellite and the current geography and topology of the area, again, matches the writings of Plato from 2400 years ago about Atlantis. So it's just another little anecdotal piece of evidence that supports this structure actually being what Plato was writing about. One of the things interesting, you're talking about the erosion, things like this, when when Plato wrote about it, it was antiquity to him then, you know, as far as it was old, no matter what, if it was true, it would be thousands and thousands, like you're saying, tens of thousands of years old to even have any proof is fast. Yeah. Erosion tears things down. I mean, you've seen from hurricanes or floods or mudslides or landslides, how fast erosion takes away, you know, roads or structures or buildings. You see how fast that nature works. Um, the preservation of the recot structure by that whole area being turned into a desert is actually beneficial to preserve that evidence for us even longer. It's almost as if, you know, something that sits on the moon because there's not really much of an atmosphere there, it'll still be there, you know, 300, uh, 3000 years from now without any kind of interference from other objects. So it's kind of the same thing here. The desert was beneficial to preserve all of that recot structure for us to be able to show those evidential signs today interesting you say that if you go to the moon all of my tire marks are still there including the dicks i drew in the dust in <laughs> the true. 70s just not true um brent you mentioned uh even in plato's time dick drawings no that was seabot i'm sorry <laughs> he's 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 getting through all of the anatomy go ahead sorry oh boy uh brent you mentioned going uh back in plato's time it was even going back to antiquity he got some of these stories from his great-grandfather uh, who who actually said that uh, when it, Atlantis went into the ocean, uh, God said, oops, I drop it ease. Oh. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. win. You win. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. For, for, <laughs> for, uh, for those of you who, who didn't oh. know, his great-grandfather's name was Dropides. 
Yeah, and uh, his cousin was uh, Euripides, and his brother was Eumenides, and they owned a tailoring shop. Mine was at least true, okay? That's right. (laughs) Got him. I mean, prove me wrong, John. It was lost in antiquity. (laughs) All right, go on, Adam. But someone write a fucking poem about it. We're going to start getting into more specifics on some of the evidence. So number six, this isn't your typical vinyl siding. Plato wrote, the stone which they quarried was white, another black, and a third red. The main city was constructed with red, black, and white rocks. Plato. Now, the area of the recot structure has the sediment rocks and the geography to match exactly what Plato was referencing. And you would almost say, well, yeah, you can find colored rocks anywhere in the world. Well, not in that part of the region. That you, that That's almost unheard of. The south side of those mountains where the recot structure is, is the only area that you're going to find that particular color palette of sediment to be able to use in construction. So it is pretty identifiably only that area of that continent that's going to have that particular blend of red, white, and black rocks that were used in the construction of Atlantis. So Plato's writings, again, are matching some of the physical evidence that's on the ground today, right now, in the recot structure there in Mauritania, Africa. What you're saying is Atlantis looked like the interior of every stake and shape. Or, or a Five Guys, yeah. <laughs> is correct. what you're getting at. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, never, I prefer Five Guys. I think I would too. And they got the best jalapenos in the world. Ooh. Oh, yeah. All right. Let's move on to number five. This, John, if anything's going to convince you from here on out, it is going to convince you. All right. I'm ready. Number five. I put, well, 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 Plato wrote, the god Poseidon found no difficulty in making special arrangements for the center island, bringing up two springs of water from beneath the earth, one of warm water, the other of cold. A well near the center Acropolis provided the city with fresh water, Plato. The center island, as we know, this is, that was Plato's quote. The center island of the Recot has a, has a fresh spring water that still flows today. Right now, there's water that's fresh coming from a spring in the middle of the Recot structure right now. Despite that, all the surrounding ground water outside of the center of the island is all salt. Currently, 250 miles from the ocean is where the Recot structure is. There should be no natural, uh, excuse me, there should be no salt water in that region unless it used to be under the ocean or having ocean water flowing through it. You don't have salt water that is groundwater based groundwater that far from the ocean. It's just, it doesn't, it doesn't happen, especially with mountain ranges and, you know, different levels of terrain. So this, the piece of evidence that Plato wrote about were the, the wells that were in the center of the island ironically are exactly right and can be proven today. There's a live well bubbling up fresh, clean drinking water right now, just as there was in his writing 2,400 years ago, just as in Salon's documentation from 11,500 years ago. And that's unlike any other location around it because it's all salt water. It's very, very ironically accurate to Plato's writings. Well, since we're taking all of this seriously and taking him at his word, I'm assuming then that you're saying the well that's there today was created by Poseidon. (laughs) Well, all right. So that one's the little bit of the, you know, use your imagination, the gods of the time, (laughs) you know, whatever you want to call it. But the fact of him writing about the well is the important part there. Poseidon, eh, you know, yeah, you, you, you believe in whatever God you want to believe in. But, I uh, believe in his trident. 
absolutely. Wait, that's Zeus? No, that's, that's Poseidon. Yeah, yeah. Pos- Zeus had the lightning. It's pronounced Jeff Bezos, <laughs> actually. Here in uh, Titusville, Florida, that name will get you a free uh, dinner at the Steak and Shake. Oh, ooh, take home a sack. <laughs> there you go. All right, so let's move on from there. Number four, there be gold and then thar hills. <laughs> Ghost chickens here. That's one of my favorites. Nice. Plato wrote, Sorry, keep going. there was an abundance of metals, copper, and gold. Again, this isn't anything that's necessarily unlike some other parts of the world. However, being lucrative in that one area is kind of unusual, having everything in one one little tight area. Discovery of tools and gold jewelry have been found in and around the recot structure, suggesting a civilization once inhabited it. So now we're starting to get into the part of the, the evidence that shows this completely desolate, barren wasteland has signs of civilization. Sure, a natural spring well, that could be an unbelievable coincidence. However, man-made objects are not there as a coincidence. So the discovery of those types of things in the recot structure and the areas that surround it are incredibly evidential to proving that a civilization once inhabited it. Now, I understand that we're taking the preponderance of evidence. So, you know, one one individual thing by itself might not be indicative of of the larger, but this one feels like a stretch. No one is, I don't believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, no one's making the argument that people didn't live in Africa at the time. That's right? fair. Absolutely. That's that's 100% fair. It's the combination of all of the pieces of evidence that have me 100% convinced. But the fact, I mean, so Plato said there was an abundance of metals and we found metal there. I, I will say this. So in researching and I saw that the, the I, I don't know if I'm saying the Achillean, is that how, the Achillean people? Yeah. Was what was there? Um, the, the people that were there. So the, the, the structure, this area is the most rich for finding those types of, of, of um, Stone Age and pre-Stone Age tools and jewelry and thing in the world and is there in such an abundance that uh, it, it draws in, even if you don't believe that it was Atlantis, it draws into questioning of were there civilizations there before we were really understanding what civilizations were. Almost like Gobekli Tepe okay. and things like that, just because there's things there that people are like, oh my God. Like, so I, I see what you're saying. So it's it's less that it's like, oh, look, we found a gold bracelet that's really old and Plato used the word gold. So make the connection. It's more like of all the places, this was like the prime one. Right. They, they keep and they're just they're everywhere there. And they're and not only is it everywhere there, uh, a lot of it is very well preserved. And so they've get they get a lot of these examples of pottery and jewelry and things from this area that are just absolutely staggering. I guess Adam Brent and I grew up in Central Illinois, which many people say <laughs> yeah, was people say it was Atlantis, Atlantis as well. No, everyone you talk about, oh, you can't, you know, you can't throw a baseball and not hit a a field that's got about fifteen arrowheads in it, and like you know, you go to school. Oh, I found an arrowhead this weekend. I, I never once in my life found a damn arrowhead. Yeah. Really? Never. Are you serious? Yeah. Well, we had. I lived in the middle of fucking nowhere, so you'd be digging, you'd find an arrowhead and a bottle and <laughs> human severed human head. It was you know, the bottle. Anywhere we were on an old mine area. They, they. they yeah, I was finding old bottles. <laughs> anywhere you got, anywhere you go in the world, you're going to have, you know, signs of civilization. I mean, that's just that's going to be prominent. You guys did an episode. In fact, in the very neighborhood that I live in, you guys did an episode about. Some civilizations that were uncovered after some developers were digging up some uh, uh, housing developments in, in here in Titusville, Florida, 
first 8,000 year old civilization of people. And it turned into a, I don't remember the name of the group, uh-huh. but you, you guys had an episode on it. I don't know, three, four years ago. Uh, but anywhere you go that once was lush, it's amazing to see that if you look hard enough, you will certainly find signs of human homo sapien existence in those areas. If it was a lush environment to be able to survive in. So back in the day, we right. couldn't turn on the AC or, you know, insulate ourselves as much as we can now because of modern technology. But if the environment was favorable for human life, most likely there were humans there. So it's important to draw into that in conclusion here as well, is that that area was lush. And so were lots of other places along the Sahara that we know is, you know, barren and wastelands now. But that area that has all of these coincidences was also lush enough to support, you know, human civilizations and they're finding evidence and proof of that. In fact, today, right now, Mauritania, this is Mauritania, Africa, its primary export is copper and gold. So you still have that region producing a lot of the world's copper and golds that, that, that Africa is exporting. So it's still, it's still prevalent there. Nice. All right, let's move on to number three. It's the end of the world as we play it. I'm going to stop with the puns. That's brutal. All right. So Plato's quotes, there occurred violent earthquakes and floods and in a single day and night misfortune, all your warlike men in a body sank into the earth and the island of Atlantis like manner disappeared in the depths of the sea. Atlantis, when sunk by the earthquake, became an impossible barrier of mud to voyagers sailing from hence to any part of the ocean. So you get a Plato writes a little difficult sometimes to, to understand in modern English, but with the translations, that's what it came out to. Um, Atlantis's destruction coincides with what's called the Younger Dryas Impact Hypothesis. Uh, Brandon, I don't know if you read about that yet, but that is an ironic coincidence in timing. The Younger Dryas Impact Hypothesis uh, was predicted at eleven and a half thousand years ago for that uh, Clavis comet hypothesis is also what it's called to be a, a, a strike, a, a comet strike you had mentioned about earlier. That's the actual uh, term behind it is the the younger Dryas impact hypothesis. Solon's records from nine thousand years before Plato, and add another twenty four hundred years ago that Plato wrote this, also comes out to be about eleven thousand five hundred years ago. So it's unbelievable the coincidence for this massive change in worldwide climate, especially in the African region, also coincides with the writings of both Solon and Plato's reinterpretation of Solon's writing. The, the, the timing is unbelievable. Um, that was a massive change in global temperatures, climate change, disasters. We're talking tsunamis, earthquakes, floods, volcanoes, everything happened at that time. There's massive spikes in temperature and drops in temperature. It's important too, and I think you did this the correct way, because when I was looking into this, a lot of people took it the wrong way. The Younger Dryas impact hypothesis is saying that there is an impact on Earth that caused all these things. It's not saying that the impact was there. And that is what a lot of people go to and, and say, and that's what goes against what geologists and stuff is, because it looks like an impact crater, but that's not what it is. And so a lot of people have thrown that at, and you're not saying that, which is a good thing. You're saying that's what causes things like this and they yeah, side together um and I, i've seen a lot of people argue it both ways as the pedestrian here let me let me repeat it back and uh tell me if sure. i'm getting this right we're saying that the catastrophe that plato wrote about that eventually made atlantis go by coincides perfectly from a timing perspective to what we'd we understand to have been a a 
comet's impact on the earth that changed things uh globally that and, is correct and yes. so the implication being there that part of that change was some sort of event that sank atlantis sank or washed away a lot of the hypotheses okay. that are current okay. out there show with with satellite imagery from space you can see a lot of like i was saying earlier the striations from tsunamis when a tsunami occurs you can see it, it marks the region it marks the geography in the area and can be evidence for thousands and thousands of years in fact some of the recent tsunamis that we have seen in our lifetimes you can see visible signs of erosion rapid erosion that has taken place and how foliage has grown back or how certain parts of the region that were higher than where the tsunami came through weren't impacted and they don't have the same markings and striations as the areas that do have that tsunami evidence and in this case the the striations of the tsunami evidence not only go from the recot structure all the way to the west of the atlantic ocean but also wrap up to the north and northeast up towards the mediterranean so the current theory that that some of the scientists have out there right now is that the tsunami may have been so big and so vast that it came from the upper mediterranean washed through the mountain ranges thousands of miles away from from where the recot structure is and ironically this particular location where they're theorizing atlantis was the recot structure just happened to be dead in the center of where that water all rushed out to the atlantic ocean so the interesting thing about the younger dryas and, and the thing that it's so was a, a catastrophe when you read into it is because they think that this object broke apart in the atmosphere like they do into other large gigantic pieces that hit in asia and africa and north where America was bruce and willis everywhere and caused these things <laughs> right they caused these things all over the world so it wasn't just one spot that you know you're referencing what could have happened there but all these pieces they feel broke apart and in the atmosphere as they do and some of them even there's you know pieces of glass where it could you know and things where it you know uh, uh, such high temperatures where it smashed into things all over the earth is it, and it was like i think they say like 11 5 to 12 5 or 13,000 years ago is the range of the yeah let's not ta- let's not like that. confuse that too you're right but solon wrote about it 9,000 years prior to plato um well not 9,000 years he he got the information from the egyptians when he learned about the information that they had collected and the egyptians had at the time the longest running set of historical records anywhere in the world so Solon went to Egypt to learn about the history of the world, wrote about his findings that the Egyptians had documented. So this is technically like fourth-hand information, which is okay. It's that's that's fine. Um, and then Plato rewrote that. We've been talking about doing uh, an episode on the Library of Alexandria for years, literally now. We, oh, that would be great! That. What a terrible fucking yeah, yeah, yeah. Just as you're saying that, just thinking about you know, oh, well, they were telling us that this happened because they had information that we sacked and burned and destroyed because we're fucking filthy <laughs> we're idiots we we are humans are the worst thing that has happened to this planet but <laughs> hey that's okay i enjoy it all right let's move on to number two and here is where we get into some actual uh how should i say provable evidence from today in comparison to details that plato wrote about number two is called the rings and no, not that movie, John, that you you like so much where the girl climbs mm. out of the TV. I'd love that movie. It's good, isn't it? <laughs> Scared the hell out of me the first time I watched it. 
Same here. All right. Plato wrote, the main city of Atlantis consists of centric circles of water and land. There were alternate zones of sea and land, larger and smaller, encircling one another. There were two of land and three of water, which were turned as if with a lathe, each having a, its circumference equidistant every way from the center. And that's Plato. So that's what he wrote about what he you know, interpreted from Salon's writings. The recot has matching concentric circles of different elevations that would match Plato's description and depiction perfectly. Well, I, <laughs> no one ever accused Plato of taking the short way around. He's a <laughs> verbose fellow. Oh, for, for sure. Where it gets interesting is when Plato actually draws into some measurements. So this is when we actually apply science, sort of, at the time to what we can compare to today. So the diameters of the land masses match the measurements almost perfectly to what Plato recorded. So the diameter of the outer circle, kind of alluding to what uh, Brent was talking about earlier, is 23 and a half kilometers or 14.5 miles. Plato's measurements are as follows. One stadia, and that's their term of measurement, is approximately 607 of our His exterior measurement reference is 127 stadia. When converted, that equals 77,089 feet. If you convert that over to kilometers, you're at 23.49 kilometers. And Plato said, or not Plato, our measurements now with Google Earth or with any of the, you know, on the location measurements is 23 and a half kilometers. So the unbelievable irony of accuracy to the size of the exterior circles for the circumference or diameter of that location is spot on. It, it, it's, it, that is hard to recreate Plato's writings to the current measurements that we can see right now. It's like a tsunami on your wedding day. Are you Landis Morissette all of a sudden? What's going on? I, you said, you said irony. Oh, I see what Cut you did. Cut it out. I, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Hey, hey. And, and there's more uh, measurements that Plato has referenced in some of his writings that all, all marry up the equidistant measurements that he's used all of that ties into the recut structures uh actual measurements now so there's a little bit of interpretation that has to be done because there's obviously no water at the recut structure so you have to understand that the lower elevation rings are where the water would be so you have to you know use your imagination again and fill in what you know would be water at those lower elevations and then take the measurements from certain heights of those you know centric rings that are there now but it, it adds up. It matches, and it's unbelievably accurate compared to Plato's writings. That's it's intriguing. That I mean, I'm uh, that one. That one has me intrigued. Go uh, on. Are you ready? Are you ready for number one? You ready for oh the smoking my gosh, gun? I'm so excited. God, I hope. <laughs> true. I, uh, going through a tunnel. I can't. What? Oh, what? I'm, Adam has left <laughs> we the room. Lost him. Oh, All right. Man. So I hope this one is 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 as eye-opening for John especially as it was for me because this is more recent than some of the other you know documents that have been found and evidence that has been associated the recut structure to some of Plato's writings this is this actually isn't Plato I don't have a Plato quote for this one this is somebody else so we're gonna go this number one is the smoking gun the father of history Herodotus was an ancient historian who is respected by today's scholars for his accuracy in documentation and cartography. He illustrated a map of the region in Northwest Africa, and you can pull it up if you just do a search for Herodotus's uh, map, uh, you'll be able to see it. 
So he illustrated a map of the region of Northwest Africa, the Mediterranean, and surrounding countries and coastlines. Within his 2,500-year-old map, and by the way, Herodotus lived between Solon and uh, the birth of, or he actually died when Plato was two years old. So his time frame is in the middle of Solon and and Plato. Um, Within his 2,500-year-old map today is a description of the location of what he calls Atlantis, and he spells it A-T-L-A-N-T-E-S, slightly different than how we spell it now. But it's a locate, a description yeah, you lost me. I lost you with what? <laughs> you lost me. The spelling. Oh, sorry. <laughs> he spelled oh. it wrong, so, <laughs> you know. Fuck. <laughs> I got in my pigeonhole. Uh, but he marks Atlantis <laughs> on that map, on Herodotus's map, exactly in the location where the Recot structure is currently located. Now, the only thing that's slightly different is the Atlantic Ocean. But if you go from the, the, the land masses to the north, using Italy as like a land marker, and then working your way down, the location where Herodotus marked Atlantis is dead on accurate for the mountain ranges and for the location that the eye of the Sahara is at right now. That's pretty crazy. You know, that's, um, you know, I, I'm sure there's people that, that poo poo on that, but that's a, that's a, uh, an amazing coincidence. Well, this is something that was written 2,500 years ago. That, that cartography has never been challenged. It, it mm-hmm. was, you know, granted they don't have a lot of the instruments that we can use today for mapping regions and performing cartography and mapping of, of those locations. It's amazing yeah. they even did cartography back then. I mean, I just, I'd be impressed by somebody that can use one of those, uh, what are those things called where you look at the map of the stars and you look down on the paper? Sexton. Sexton yes. Dana Otto, one of our listeners, sent me a sextant and I still haven't figured <laughs> out how to use it yet. But he literally, I had seen a sextant at, uh, I saw one for sale at a place called uh, Science and Surplus, and I didn't buy it. And then I was like, oh, man, I should have bought that. You know, it was awesome. He found one and sent it to me. So John got an altimeter and I got a sextant. So we're ready for. You could jump out of a plane and find your way (laughs) on your way down to the ground by the stars. Yeah, I can, you know, I'll set us up for the Southern Cross (laughs) and we can go sailing, John, to to Fiji or something. Well, that's certainly interesting. Yeah, so that's the top 10 reasons why I feel it's the it's Atlantis. I know we're we're going to talk about, you know, our sure. thoughts and why not be when we come back. I'm sure that that John is bursting at the gills to uh to poke holes and everything. But I am uh, and how did you know yeah. I have gills? <laughs> Lizard. <laughs> well, your favorite movie is Waterworld. So, I don't know. I have at least it, I just true. figured. I figured. All right, we're going to go to break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about, you got a couple bonus pieces that didn't make the list, and we're going to talk about if we're skeptics, if we don't believe it, what it could otherwise be, and is Adam lying to us? And he's <laughs> I like, have oh, been known shit. to do it. That's coming up on Hysteria 51. Seabot believes it. Nation, we are back, and we are talking with Mr. Adam Poston about why this place in Africa is actually Atlantis. I feel it is. I, I, I'm, I'm there. I feel it is. Okay, so before we get into additional information, Adam, other than putting together an intriguing list, after putting this list together and have done having done the research that you've done, 
you are you're actually convinced that this was the location of Atlantis. Yeah. So the amount of coincidence in comparison to Plato, who Plato's writings, who has never been challenged on any of his documentation in the past, uh, the amount of coincidences to his writings is just too much for for me to to not consider this to be the best possible candidate around the world for the location of the lost city of Atlantis. Correct. Yes. Got it. Got it. Okay. So you got a you got some bonus you wanted to talk about, like things that didn't make your list, but you want to talk to us before we we talk about any contradictions that there might be. Before we issue our final judge. I was gonna say this almost feels like a ruling. So yeah, these are my closing <laughs> statements, I guess. All right. Yeah. So bonus information. Yeah. These are some things that didn't necessarily make the list, but are also pretty cool to point out. So uh, while gold jewelry and other artifacts have been unearthed in the area uh, in and around the recot, there's even been some stone weights that have been found. Uh, Those particular stone weights and a lot of them, not just one or two, but those particular stone weights are used in ancient times specifically for one purpose, and that's for fishing nets. So here's a big question. Given how far of a distance that the recot structure is right now from the ocean and no capability of fast traveling like we've got today, why in the world would there be lots of these stone weights for fishing nets? They're like woven like where you would weave the fishing nets through these weights. Why would they be 250 miles inland? So that's that's an awful peculiar find that easy, some of the easy. locals They had it on it. their wall next to a live, laugh, love sign. It just makes sense. <laughs> you know, it was their... It was their cottage, and you know that's the kind of stuff you have that because you you know you want to pretend you're at the lake. In addition to that, buildings and structures, and we understand how big this this area of the recot structure is, and the theories behind this lost city of Atlantis was this massive Acropolis, this this gigantic city, uh, kind of like a New York City, like Manhattan and some of the boroughs. It's a big big location with Mm -hmm. approximately a million people theorized to have lived there. So they've got to have structures. So the recot structure doesn't have any of those, and we want to know why. So part of the problem is that where this recot structure is, is in Mauritania, and it's a very, very tumultuous region. The U.S. State Department even classifies that area under travel advisories due to crime and terrorism. So it's very hard to go as a tourist. You know, some, you know, me as a fat American wanting to go over and, you know, dig in the Mauritanian desert, it ain't going to happen. Uh, the regional government is structured not so good and don't permit excavations or archaeological digs in that region for foreigners. So they have a hard enough time keeping their country in control, let alone letting outsiders come in and dig in the desert. It's a crazy thing how much you see that take this out of the equation just with research. And it's for a couple of reasons. Like you said, this is an area of contested part of the, the world and we can't do it. And then you have other places like in Egypt, not that far off, who are protecting their um, image, so to speak. They don't want things that challenge the accepted status quo of what they've decided the story is. There's all sorts of different things, and that can be for money. That can- and that's the opinion of the Egyptian government that week. Uh, right, you, you, right, right, right. They, they, you know, they have so true, many re- regimes that <laughs> they run through over there like it. Uh, Somebody gets approval to go do a dig, and five minutes later, there's a new regime, and they no longer have approval. And, they, for that and they're dig. out, and they lose all their money and their equipment, and you know it. it it's well, don't miss the don't miss the fact of tourism too. So tourism is one of Egypt's yeah. largest. Uh, uh, yeah, they're uh, not getting that here. associations to GDP. Yeah, Mauritania doesn't have that. They've never. We're getting this from planes and from yep from overhead satellites. That's where we're getting our our pictures. You got and it. stuff from. 
You're not getting a postcard from Adam missing you (laughs) at the the, uh, eye of the Sahara. But we all would love to go, though. So if any of your listeners wants to privately fund and also has ties to the Mauritanian government that would get that approved, let me know. I'll go in a heartbeat. I'll be out there digging for Hysteria 51 in the desert, finding gold and red rocks. I think this is the perfect opportunity to hear from the... um Oh God, what's the word I'm looking for? Brent, you're the, oh, you're, what you're saying is when we were talking to the Mauritanian government recently, uh, when we were trying to get, uh, pr- approval to go there to, to dig, is that what you're talking about? When he was like, oh, yeah, yeah. hey, uh, maybe you come here, maybe you don't get out. Mm, you know, we're Mauritanians, huh? you know, <laughs> but, but then you went on to add, to mention something about gold, right? Yeah. I told him, you know, you, you gotta just. You know, let me prospect. <laughs> Prospectors. Yeah. I, I had my pans with me and everything, just banging my pans <laughs> together and shit, and told them I needed the prospect, but they didn't. They didn't listen. To me. Are you really yes, rattling on your desk tickets. some of Seabot's parts? Yes, exactly. I'm just banging on Kyle's head a little bit. Adam, you mentioned that there are one or two reasons that point to this not being Atlantis. You don't believe them, but in fairness, you wanted to share them. What are they? Yeah. So any scientist, and I'm not a scientist, but any scientist will listen to the contradictions and counterpoints to some of the claims theories, as well as, you know, some of the, the assumptions that coincidence might lead some people to believe that this is the lost city of Atlantis. So the most prominent contradiction that I could find was its current height, its current altitude. So currently the Recot structure sits at 1,300 feet above sea level. How so, do you measure that? With an altimeter? I don't know. How do you measure yeah, that? Yeah, that's no, I, what I'm talking about. I see. I see. So you got to go with me when we go out there. To, 100%. To All right, cool. That sounds good. Shout so out what's, to the Babels what's, for giving you that altimeter. It's true. <laughs> Thank you, Babel. Um. I also did the research on the other end of that to say, okay, what would make 1,300 feet of sea level difference or disparity in 11,500 to 12,500 years? And there's actually some pretty compelling evidence that disputes that contradiction. So plate tectonics and subsurface magma pockets currently proposed is that the recot structure was pushed up in, in actually the entire Western continent, part of the continent of Africa, was pushed up and risen over the last twelve thousand years. Um, Wait, so this whole thing was a Trojan horse to make another point in your favor? Yeah, you got it. You see how this works? And I see how I went Troy there. <laughs> I like it. Let's use Japan's tsunami that in our lifetimes again as an example. So the the Japanese tsunami that happened, the Ring of Fire tsunami that that was so devastating, um, actually moved the damn island. So it, it's not impossible for, you know, massive events to cause large shifts in plate tectonics and in large masses of land. The, the entire island of Japan has moved in a single day by eight feet because of that earthquake and, you know, following that, that, that tsunami. That is yeah, a it's, crazy it's, thought. It's quite amazing. The, with the catastrophe of Atlantis's demise written by Plato, it could be easily seen that nature has reshaped the region both during the event as well as over the last 12,000 years. So I referenced live science here. Live science has shown evidence that Antarctica rises at 1.6 inches or 41 millimeters every year 
due to similar molten activity underneath the surface and subsurface molten pockets. So let's just use that, that math, that 1.6 inches over 11 and a half thousand years. And you are almost spot on for the 1300 foot disparity in altitude that Mauritania, this recot structure is sitting at right now. So they're accounting for, and they can show that that part of the world is rising due to that molten activity under the ground. It, it is rising. So just like in Antarctica, West Africa is rising up out of the sea. How high is the West Africa, mama? Three feet high and rising. Sorry, Johnny Cash fans <laughs> out there. You know, funny, John, you also said uh, you made your Troy reference in your Trojan horse. Troy was another city that they thought was fake until they unearthed and proved it was true. They just thought the people had written about it until uh, I think it was like the 1800s when they finally figured yeah. out no Troy was actually real. Machu Picchu similar too. Yeah, they found a they found a, a relief um, uh, deep in a mine uh, that was shockingly similar to Brad Pitt's visage. Yeah, and they're like, why is there an arrow in this dude's foot? It's the damnedest thing. <laughs> um, all right, so one of the other very obvious contradictions to Recot being the lost city of Atlantis is everybody says, well, Atlantis, even per Plato's writings, was an island. And you know, even given if the continent has been rising, this whole area looks to be pretty level, pretty plain. It doesn't look like it would be an island in the middle of, you know, a large sea in the middle of the Atlantic. So I, I did it again, John. I'm sorry, buddy. But we're going to do this. Using the same sea level statistics we just talked about from live science at the 1.6 inches per year over the course of that, that whole time, you actually can go back and calculate what the sea levels would have been at the time if you raised them based on that math. And here's the really, really cool part. It is a gigantic island that would have been where recot structure is now. It would have been a gigantic island that encompassed the surrounding mountains and the ranges and the flats and the plains, that whole area would have been surrounded by water. So theoretically, base it off of floodmap.net. That's where you can go and calculate it in yourself, put in you know what the, the difference would have been based on that many years. That whole area is an island. And ironically, it also shows that the recot structure has rings of water and rings of land. It is really eerie when you put that math in there. Now, I will say this, so I'll throw this out. Uh, most of the information that you're coming from uh, came from uh, a video that was released a few years ago on uh, YouTube, and then it took kind of traction. This guy named Jimmy, and he made Absolutely. A lot of, uh, bright insight. Yeah, bright insight, and he made a lot of these claims, and they do match up, a lot of them. There are also a lot of people, if you go out, you can find the skeptics that that also say he's picking and choosing and tearing it apart. Um, and I think they pick and choose too. in some of it, it is such a, a fun thing to look at and to try to figure out. And no matter what outside, I'm not even saying if yes or no, it's bonkers to me that we have this structure where they're finding all of this evidence of civilization and we're not there digging and trying to figure out what the hell was going on. Period. I agree. hundred percent. If, if Mauritania government would let us. Uh, it, I, I'd say us being the, the scientific Mankind. community. Yeah. Yes. It would be regardless if it's not Atlantis or not, it's definitely a civilization has been there before and deserves to be studied. And yeah, you just took the words out of my mouth. I mean, uh, we're, it, it, 
regardless, literally the same words, regardless of the validity of it as Atlantis, what an intriguing place to study, to, to unearth further, you know, uh, relics and, and, and just learn more about, uh, it's like finding another Gobekli Tepe. hundred (laughs) percent. Now, Brent, I think we need to, um, issue our ruling. Oh boy, Uh here we go. So I, when researching this, I, I went down, I read everything. I watched your video. I watched your video, but I watched the video. I read a lot. I also read a lot of skeptical stuff, and I thought it was funny. One of the ones that really stood out to me is there's this website called Neurologica Blog, and it's called Your Daily Fix of Neuroscience, Skepticism, and Critical Thinking. And they did a whole thing on this. Now, of course, it's not without its own errors. And I just want to read you the last um, paragraph from, from their website. An actual historian or archaeologist would rip his flimsy claims to shreds, but he can just dismiss all that as conspiracy. He's just trying to bring truth to the public while the eggheads are blinded with what's right in front of their eyes. Or a simpler explanation, Jimmy is a hack and a crank who has no actual idea what he is talking about. <laughs> so that is a bold fucking statement. And what I'm getting at is people really get upset when you rock the status quo boat with antiquities and i don't exactly know why because i don't know i don't know enough about this to say yes or no because no matter what i say is just me making up a story or making up my own assumption because i don't know enough about it i think it's interesting that a lot of these things line up could it all be made up by this jimmy guy maybe we also don't know because we're not there digging. You don't know enough about it because you were in the hospital, thanks to Seabot, when we did our episode on Atlanta. That is absolutely true. I wasn't there to talk about that. But the, the thing of it is, John, is it's an interesting thing. We don't know, and they don't even know enough to really say because we don't have boots on the ground. So I'm going to give it a I don't know, and uh, I wish it was because that'd be really cool, and it'd be uh, I'm still upset about the Library of Alexandria. Is my big takeaway. <laughs> That's you know, we agree on that. All right. So a couple things. I do find a lot of it interesting, and I do think that. Um, I mean, yeah, yeah, he's picking and choosing. But anytime you take from the writings of Plato and then try to extrapolate what it means for as far as the location of Atlantis or anything else, you're picking and choosing because you only have so much source material and you only have so many things to compare it to, and and like that's just that. That's the nature of it. However, in this case, the one thing that we can't pick and choose, Adam, where you lost me is your number one. Herodotus wasn't a cartographer. He didn't make maps. He was a historian. And people have tried to recreate his maps or what they think he was describing um, based on his words. He didn't actually make maps. and, And so... And and there are conflicting claims as to whether he even used the words Atlantis when describing these things. But regardless, the map that you find online, Herodotus didn't draw that. Oh, come um, on. You got to have a little bit of creative flexibility here. <laughs> <laughs> Touche. Um, more, uh, you know, listen, I, I first the question is, did Atlantis ever exist, period? Right. And I, I, I lean towards it did. And I, but I go, I go, I go back my, um, as, as compelling as this is. And I, as much as I do want to learn a lot more about this structure and, and what, who was there and, and, and everything behind it, 
I have not abandoned my original uh, belief that uh, Santorini in in Greece is 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 Atlantis. So John came in with a preconceived notion. I get it. I I smell what you're stepping in. I get it. <laughs> it's true. I did. It's interesting did. to me how if it was made up, why was something like this made up? You know, like why would it be like, oh yeah, and they used to have. You mean just like that Atlantis existed well, right. at all? You know, it, it's such a weird thing. And the other thing is, if all the writings of Atlantis point to it being a very advanced civilization. Now, it doesn't need to say that it's so advanced like they pretend in movies, but advanced where it had its own writing and, and plumbing and things like that, like and Jason Momoa, yeah, I get it. They had a Stargate. You could tra- travel That's there. That's exactly where I was, which also had Jason Momoa. I mean, he's the tie that binds. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just an interesting thought process and in, in what we've lost through war and famine and drought and disaster and then started back over how many times. And if things like that hadn't have taken hold, would we be further along? Would we not be? I mean, it's it's a fun exercise to think what if. Or a maddening way to think to go about your life as saying what if. What was the um the the Antikythera machine? Yeah. Or the Antikythera yeah. device, the the world's first computer we did an episode mm-hmm. on so many years ago. Like that they say that a version of that technology was not then seen again for like a thousand years. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, because things get lost to history. Yep. They just do. They sure do. Adam, I think you did a great job. It was a lot of fun. And uh well, it's, thank you, uh, fellas. It's such an interesting I think even people that don't really care, some reason feel like they've got a stake in saying if Atlantis was real or not sometimes. I, outside of just the, the historians and stuff like that. Just like, I don't know, there's weird things like, I really, really, really want the thylacine to still be alive out there. I don't know why. I just think it's really cool. You know what I mean? Like, there's weird things that people gravitate to or hold on now to. No, you're right, Brett. And this is, this is one of history's truly great mysteries. Yeah. Right? You've got you've got credible, interesting facts on both sides of the argument, and you have credible, interesting people making making the arguments on both sides. Right. Uh, wait a minute. Just to clear just to clear that up, John, I'm not credible. I want to <laughs> make sure you understand that. <laughs> oh no no no! I was talking about Plato. I know. I know. Oh, good good. I was talking about Plato, and I was talking about conspiracy bot. <laughs> uh, and by the way, everything else I know about this topic, I learned from Assassin's Creed. I kept wanting to make Assassin's Creed jokes throughout this, and then I realized, like, I don't know how many people never Assassin's Creed Odyssey. If you haven't played it, it came out like three years ago. Great game, go play it. It's fun. They lost me at one of the Assassin's Creeds game. I I just I never got into it because the only one I played, you were a I don't remember which one it was, but you were a slave, and it it lost my interest. Just the storyline was just so brutally bad. It just it it lost me. So I, I. you know what? I'll give that one a shot. I'll, I'll try this. I'll try it this it one. got me back into the series. It really did. Uh, Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Highly recommend. Speaking of Atlantis, uh, it's interesting in the the uh, movie about Aquaman. They had the deserters, you know, which were the people that were in the, the desert that was the lost kingdom of Atlantis. Uh, that's an interesting. It had to be a kind of a wink, wink, nod to that kind of thing. It had to be. Oh, uh, good point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well. Yeah, I don't think we're going to solve this one, but I think it was awesome, and I sure hope it is. And you know what? Let's just go dig. Seabot, <laughs> why don't you go dig for us and let us know what happens, and uh, we'll decide what we want to do. And try out that new backhoe yeah. attachment. Adam, thank you so much for being on once again. If people want to find for you, sure. where can they find you? Where can they find your show? 
Tell us all your 411. For more fun and interesting lists, just like this one, go check out on anywhere you can find a podcast, same place you're listening to Hysteria 51, go check us out. We're the Twisted 10. And it there is guaranteed to be a list to your liking out there. We've got 102 episodes, I think, published at this point. And uh, everything from crazy conspiracy theories to we even had a, a, a woman by the name of T.S. Madison who's an LGBTQ activist on and she the top 10 sexual fetishes to, you know, a lot of science stuff. I, I do get into the science is pretty deep. So there's a list out there for you. I guarantee it. So go check it out. Yeah, you have a lot of guests, which is a great thing. People bring their own lists and you guys can react to them, things like that. It's yes, a, sir. It's a lot of fun to listen to. And all of those lists, I'll tell you, are almost as accurate as this one. This one, you know, I'll, I'll bet the farm on. The accuracy of this list was was perfectly, you know, um, almost legitimate. It was almost there, but it was fun. That look, doing some of these lists, you have to expand your mind a little bit, bending some areas to create that entertaining value. And that's, you know, we're not scientists. None of us are. We like to have fun, and we like to entertain our listeners. And you know, that's what that's what we strive for. Absolutely. And that's what's fun about it is listening to these stories of things that we don't really know and researching them for me and then being able to bring them to people. And then uh, three hours later, forgetting everything I said. And when it gets brought up at a dinner party in a month, <laughs> I go, I should know. I've talked about I've read a book and a half on this and went online. And my wife goes, what's wrong with you? And I go, I don't know. I don't even remember that guy's name. And that's how I live my life. <laughs> do, you, do you want that alphabetically or chronologically? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I can't even imagine. Uh, and for the record, I am a scientist. Uh, I've designated myself one. And that's all I have to do is believe. All I have to do is believe. <laughs> I like but it. Nation, we want to know what you think. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we do want to know. We want to know what you think, Nation. Where can they tell us, John? <laughs> Go to our Facebook discussion group. Just get on Facebook and search Hysteria Nation. You'll find Brent there. You'll find me there. You'll find Adam there. You'll even find Conspiracy Bot Roman around in there. And we are there to talk about this and every other topic of a Fortean nature. That is right. And if Facebook isn't your bag, baby, you can tweet to us at Hysteria51Pod. You can send Seabot an email trying to tell him why you want to be his pen pal. I have no fucking clue why anyone would want to do that, but you can, and you can do that at Seabot, C-B-O-T at Hysteria51.com. Again, Seabot at Hysteria51.com. I have no idea why, once again. And don't expect a reply, and certainly not a rapid one, because we're printing these out and showing them to him, because we are not giving him access to outbound no, email. not at all. Not at all. You can't give the AI the access to the internet. They take over at that point, don't they? I've seen those movies. <laughs> no, no. It's actually what we're worried about is the opposite. Um, if we hooked him up to the internet, like they had a, it's not like he takes over. The rest of the internet gets dumber. <laughs> <laughs> By the end of the month, we'd all be playing Oregon Trail again. Ah, that's a great game. You gotta give that game some credit. He you just died of the thought of us Damn dying it. from dysentery. That's all it is. <laughs> That's that's also true. <laughs> Don't forget Patreon, patreon.com slash hysteria fifty one. You can find extra episodes, mad blurry hysterias every two weeks, up all nights, all sorts of shenanigans. Voicemail seven seven three six six nine seven two seven seven. Again, seven seven three six six nine seven two seven seven. Hear yourself on the show. You can find all of that at hysteria fifty one dot com or anywhere you listen to your podcasts, just like you can listen to 
the Twisted Ten. Tell a friend about Adam and his show and have them listen. Adam, thank you so much. Guys, it's an honor. I greatly appreciate coming on the show with you guys. It's, it's a lot of fun. You guys are always entertaining as hell. Oh, thank you and, for uh, clapping thank you. this bastard up a little bit. We appreciate it. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Needs it. <laughs> so with that said, I've been Brent. I'm Adam. I've been John. He's been Conspiracy Bot. Stay woke, meet sex. It was terrible. It was just terrible. I'll never get over it as long as I live. That's it for another edition of Hysteria 51. John and Brent will be back next week with yet more of the unexplained, the unexplored, and the unheard of. Oh, if it's unheard of, how will they know about it? Anyway, if you want to suggest a topic, give us your thoughts, or just make fun of Conspiracy Bot, that's my favourite, join us in our Facebook discussion group, Hysteria Nation. Just log on to Facebook and search Hysteria Nation, or you can always tweet us at Hysteria51Pod. You've been listening to a fourth-hand joint. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.